We are spending the next few minutes of WGTD's morning show probing into one of the most uh, most uh, most frustrating mysteries of of the late 20th century, namely the assassination in February of 1986 of Olaf Palma, who was at the time Prime Minister of Sweden. One of the only times in recent history in which a head of state was murdered and there was essentially no suspect, uh, no clue left as to who was responsible for such a terrible crime. Uh, one of the people who was most intrigued by this, troubled by it, and determined to get to the bottom of it was the uh, well-known author Stieg Larsson, well-known, of course, as the author of such books as The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. It turns out that when uh, Stieg Larsson died, he left behind him an enormous archive uh, which represented the extensive uh, research and study and exploration that he had done behind the mystery of the Palme assassination. And much of what Stieg Larsson uh, discovered, uncovered, explored, uh, has been released to the world thanks to a gifted Swedish writer and journalist by the name of Jan Staklasa. And um, he has released to the world, first of all, a bestseller called Stieg Larsson's Archive, The Key to the Palme Murder, and a more recent book now called The Man Who Played with Fire, Stieg Larsson's Lost Files and the Hunt for an Assassin. And I'm excited that we can have uh, Jan Staklasa with us to uh, talk about this book and to briefly at least talk about his uh, intriguing career, which has include a, included a great deal of, of, of other work and uh, uh, an exploration of various conspiracies in the world of international politics. Uh, Jan Staklasa, we welcome you to The Morning Show. Thank you, Greg. It's good to be here. I learned such a great deal uh, from reading your book about uh, the assassination of Prime Minister Palma back in 1986, and I'm sort of embarrassed to think that I took so little notice of that uh, event at the time that it occurred, and uh, there is much that makes it, of course, very troubling. Tell us first, uh, because you write about this to some extent in the book, about what what Prime Minister Palma was like as a leader, uh, and, and in a sense, sort of his his mixed image, the way in which he was, on the one hand, popular, on the other hand, someone with plenty of enemies. Yeah, Olaf Palme was definitely the biggest statesman of Sweden in the 20th century, maybe ever. Some people actually said that he was too big for Sweden. Um, and, and that's why he was also uh, quite disliked in Sweden. Many people loved him, and the other half actually disliked him uh, and even hated him. So there were campaigns run against him. And that was the same thing on the international scene. The small countries, the third world countries, they loved him because he stood up for them. The superpowers, uh, the Soviet Union and the USA, they had troubles with him because he kept criticizing them all the time. You tell us in a book, uh, sorry, in a chapter called The Opposition that Palma's political philosophy was referred to as the third way. Can you just say a quick word about what that term represents? 
It represented that there was something between capital, pure capitalism and pure socialism, that there was a way for the small countries of the world to actually to deliver a system that would help uh, and take care of also of, of this, the weaker um, groups of the society and that they could also stand up against uh, the superpowers of the world. Uh, and that was what he was actually fighting for at the same time when the, the Cold War actually was coming to an end. You tell us also that uh, when it came to those who disliked him or opposed him, that uh, as far as you're concerned, at least, it was not primarily his politics. You you say it, it had a lot to do with his own background and also his exceptional intelligence that, in a sense, made him an inviting target. Tell us more ab- about this facet of, of who he was that that made him uh, as intently disliked as he was by at least some people? Well, he was from the upper class, uh, and he he switched camps, so he went over uh, and became the leader of the Social Democratic Party, the Workers' Party of Sweden. Uh, In that sense, he was a traitor of his class. So those, they didn't like him for that reason. When he came to his new cam- camp, he was actually viewed as, uh, as arrogant. He was extremely intelligent. He had an IQ of 160. And he, so he was actually one of the most intelligent and most well-spoken people. But he was also uh, came out as arrogant uh, in many debates mm-hmm. and actually humili- humiliated some of his opponents. So he, he became uh, disliked in those, that camp, too. So take us back, if you would, to February 28th, 1986, and what we know, which unfortunately is not very much, about what unfolded uh, on that night. So it was a a windy, cold Friday evening uh, when the Palmer couple uh, Olaf Palma and his wife decided to go to a movie theater, uh, and the, the late show started at 9 p.m., uh, so they left home around 8 p.m. Um, and called off the bodyguards. Um, they entered the cinema, came out two hours later, a lot of time for someone to prepare, um, and then started walking home uh, in this cold, windy evening. Uh, a few hundred yards later, uh, a man stepped up and put one shot in the back of, uh, of our prime minister. And before he fell to the ground, he was dead. Mm. You tell us that uh, it was not strange that the prime minister had called off his, his security detail. I mean, in effect, I suppose, sent them home. This was apparently very typical of him uh, under these kind of circumstances that he was often walking the streets uh, un- unguarded as as it were so in a sense nothing should be read into the fact that he was not guarded that night is that right that's that's correct he was he had been threatened for for actually the the last two decades of his life uh, and sometimes he wanted to feel like a, a normal citizen and he also believed that in sweden uh, a bit naive he thought that he would nev- nev- nothing would ever happen to him that proved wrong absolutely and of course one of the uh, one of the most interesting things is to try to understand how not only the city of Stockholm, but uh, all of Sweden was thrown into huge shock uh, at, at this, at this uh, incident. Uh, one of the things that you describe in your book is what that scene was like uh, the, the, the day after. 
when, for instance, Mr. Larson reaches the spot where the assassination takes place, you say they were struck by the silence. A hundred people were gathered around the little blocked-off area. No one was gesturing or moving around. No one spoke audibly. Those who were crying did so silently. It was a Swedish way of showing grief. People came, some with a rose in their hands, and people went, but it all happened in silence. And this happened, of course, with no immediate suspect in hand, and and with every passing day, it became clear that this was going to be a, a murder that would not be easily or quickly solved and maybe would not ever be solved. Tell us about the extraordinary archive of materials that you were able to access uh, that began the the odyssey that led to this book. Describe this odyssey, where it was, where it was housed, and and the, sort of the dimensions of it. Well, first, I, uh, I love your description of it and, and the way that that you describe that actually moment. It was, I would say, that that was a JF, the JFK moment of Sweden. Probably every American remembers what he or she did at the time mm. um, when when JFK was killed, and that's the case of all of Palm in Sweden also. Mm. So that that's the thing, and and um, and the, the the murder remained still remains unsolved three decades later. And some five years ago, I managed to, to track down and realize that there existed a forgotten archive by our crime writer, Stieg Larsson. That was, yeah, sorry? Sorry, I was wondering, how did you know about it? Or how did you come to even realize that such a thing existed? I was actually going to write a completely different book. I wasn't even very interested in our murder, uh, the murder of our prime minister. I wasn't uh, very interested in in the person, Steve Larson, at the time. But I was doing research, and I found a paper in an archive, um, and it said... Uh, talked about the, the alleged middleman in the murder of our prime minister. And I asked the lady who had the, the archive who wrote this, and she said, Stieg Larsson. And that was the inciting moment. That mm. was one of those moments that changes your life. Right. So uh, d- describe kind of the dimensions of this archive, I mean, and, and the kind of materials in it which you had to sort through and explore over the course of, of quite a long period of time. Well, when I came there, it was this uh, iron sheet door in a storage facility, rented storage facility, and I thought maybe there will be a small pile or or a box full of papers. And, I, and the door rolled up, uh, and suddenly there were 20 boxes full of documents, memos and letters and articles. And it felt like I stepped into a candy store as a small boy, and I could. They just told me you can eat anything. Mm. Although you couldn't take anything away, at least initially, all of your inspection had to be done on site. Yeah, that's that was it. I, I sat down there, and I, it felt like it was only five minutes. But I sat the whole day in this very sterile um, environment and, and just read and read and tried to find uh, the thread that Stieg Larsson was following. It seems to me that your book is, in a sense, uh, about two different things simultaneously. It is the story of trying to unravel this really troubling mystery of who exactly murdered uh, Prime Minister Palmer and why. But it's also the story of Stieg Larsson's efforts to, to, to get at 
at that at that answer and and in a sense it's the same thing but it's it's two different things it's it's two different stories and and i think that's one of the things that makes this book especially uh interesting was was that your intention yeah i think that anybody steve larson and even i when you start looking at when you I use the word obsessed. When you get obsessed of something like that, it it becomes your life for a while, and you have you stay in that bubble, um, uh, and you can't stay too long. If you stay too long, you get crazy. Uh, and I've I've spent almost a decade on this, and, and now I'm going to the, the next story. You would say, and so so I think you're right. It's about the person also, uh, very much, and the actual case. And of uh, you you mentioned. Uh, I believe in the acknowledgments that that you never uh, actually had the opportunity to meet Stieg Larsson himself, but uh, you certainly have come to meet many people who were close to him. And I suspect even in the exploration of these archives, you have something of a sense of who he was and what he was like. Yeah, I feel like I I know him. I've sort of filled out all the gaps around him, so I see the picture of him. I I know his living partner, uh, Eva Gabrielson, really well. We've become friends, and and so and and several of his friends also. So the picture is quite clear, also by reading his books now. Uh, But I just never met him. Right. And uh, a last question: We we don't want to betray anything in terms of conclusions that you might have drawn, but you make it very clear that that law enforcement has taken notice uh, of this book and of the material that it contains, and you are really hopeful that someday someone will be brought to justice for this crime. Yeah, the police asked me to hand in the book before it was published, and I wrote, actually wrote to them on the first page, uh, here you have the manual to solve the killing. And since then, we met five or six times. They've asked uh, to meet me, uh, and I truly believe that this will be sold in one or two years' time. The book again is titled The Man Who Played With Fire, Stieg Larsson's Lost Files and the Hunt for an Assassin. The author, uh, Jan Staklasa, this book uh, available through Amazon Crossing. Jan Staklasa, thank you so much for uh, joining me today on The Morning Show to talk about your fascinating book, and best wishes. Thank you, Greg. Good talking to you.